slightly sweet, lightly carbonated with subtle viscosity and pulpiness. Okay. Yee. Hold on. Hold on. Is the pulpiness why they're calling it a juice? Because Yeah, that's light, what I'm wondering. Lightly carbonated sounds like a seltzer to me. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. But I think that it's the pulpiness that is making this a juice. Let me tell you something. All right, Ray, you didn't do it. I don't know why I'm getting I'm so angry, <laughs> but I don't Ray, want- Ray, listen, why did you invent this? <laughs> I, I don't want pulp in my orange juice. I especially don't want it in a canned beverage that I buy off the shelf at the store. That's disgusting. disgusting. It's so gross. Boo, 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 yeah. Welcome back, social drinkers, to another episode of the podcast where we talk about the art, the science, and the industry of alcohol. Hello, fellow co-hosts. How are you guys doing? Feeling pretty killer. Ecstatic. Ecstatic. What is the word? For for everyone that was that's watching the show, I was doing the you know towel movement. I got my, my brown shirt on. I uh I don't know. It's not football season, not even close, but I was just feeling some type of way during that intro. Oh yeah. Feeling excited. <laughs> All right, what are you guys drinking? Ooh. Ray, what are you drinking? Well, I just opened it on my desk there. It's an angry orchard. Ah. Nice. nice. Original nice. flavor. Uh, yeah, crisp apple. Nice. Big cider. And yeah, it's not my favorite cider, but it's good. Um, if I had to pick a favorite, it's definitely Cider Boys. Okay. Um, and I actually like, I can't remember the exact name of it, but it's the pineapple and apple flavor. Mm. Top, top notch. It's very sweet. I'm, I'm into that. I like it. Speaking of cider, I've also got this hat on that is representative of the West side cider house in Athens, Ohio, where we went to school. And that cider is the best that I've experimented with. I know Kate agrees, Ray, when we go to OU, we're going to have to take a trip to the cider house, knowing that cider is a indulgence that you frequent. <laughs> One of my favorites. Nice. Yeah, you'll you'll love the Cider House. It's this really classy bar on a not classy campus, which just it gives it an extra element of class, I feel like, because there is no class there. It's like <laughs> off the beaten path a little bit. Yeah. They'll typically find a lot of professors and older people who just live in the town there. And yeah, it's like a cozy, super cool. They have an awesome bar. There's like games and leather couches. They have homemade cider. It's so good. I don't love cider. I think it's because when I was first gluten-free, there was no other option for me other than cider. So I just had to drink it all the time if I wanted to drink anything. And I just like, just kind of, you know, like one of those things where it's like you drink it too much and then you just like, don't like it. Totally. Yeah. You got burned out. Yeah, that happened to me with cider, but cider house cider, it hits different. It's really good. I. What are you guys drinking? I was just going to say, I and Kate are drinking the same thing because I've been looking forward to this podcast for a long time. I'm putting everyone, all of our fellow listeners, our community, 
our, what do we call them? Beautiful people. Oh yeah. Our beautiful people that are listening to the show through a bourbon tasting. And today, Ray, we are sipping on bourbon from Oak Lord Distillery in Matthews, North Carolina. Ah, very good place. Yep. Very good. It's this little, it looks like a fairy tale house. I, I don't mm-hmm. know how else to, it looks like it's from Snow White. I don't know how to, else to describe it. It's an old yeah. contractor's shop that they turned into a distillery and they have gin and they have bourbon. I don't, that's it, right? Just gin and bourbons? That is not it. Um, rum. They have rum. That's right. But And no I believe tequila. they have tequila. I believe they did have tequila. I don't think so. Not at the distillery and no vodka. Not out on the I shelf. I think there was another. I'm talking about. There was another. There was another liquor. I can't remember what it was. Well, we digress. Anyway, we bought the bourbon. And today, I'm going to do something really fun. You're either going to get a redneck smack. Or you're going to get a Kentucky hug. And we're going to talk more about what that means. But I don't know, Kate, do you want to tell the story of where we found this? Or or should I, Ray, looks like you have a thought. Before we go on to that, Oaklore had a slogan. And I'm trying to remember what it was. Do you remember what the slogan of Oaklore was? Uh, It was... uh, was it like picture it it was like do you want to drink it it was like do you want to drinks or it's it's time for a drinks they they pluralized (laughs) the drink Um, it was great yeah here here it is uh you need a drinks you need a drinks i I, awesome mark (laughs) i love that yeah you need a drinks so if that's you listening tonight or today or i guess whenever you're listening to this uh you need a drinks as long as you're not in the car. <laughs> yeah, responsibly. True. Well, unless you're in Mississippi, <laughs> right? And if you're in Mississippi, you can have it in a car as long as you're not a drunkard. So, hey. True. Teach their own. What else do we have going on today? So I'll tell the story of, about how we found this bourbon tasting method because it was really, really cool. And Kate, chime in with details that I forget. So a friend of mine that I played baseball with at OU, his sister lived in Nashville. And when Kate and I were in Nashville, she was working for uh, Beam Suntory, which owns Jim Beam, Maker's Mark, some other high profile brands that you'd be familiar with. And one random weeknight, it was definitely on a weeknight, Kate and I both worked downtown and took a long commute back home south of the city. And we got an invite to go to a bourbon tasting and songwriters round. (laughs) that was the invite we're like hmm a bourbon tasting and a songwriters round that's a very nashville thing we had no details on it at all we got an address and we didn't know what to expect so we show up and it's on the very outskirts of downtown nashville which actually we haven't lived there in a few years i shouldn't speak for it when we were there the outskirts of downtown they weren't the ghetto but they weren't great they're run down especially during this time because that was when we first moved there so what that was like seven years ago 2017 yeah almost seven years ago so um they kind of run down not really built up at all um just not dangerous just nothing there There there's a lot of warehouses empty buildings that kind of stuff and we pull up to this old church that looked like it was abandoned from the outside but when you went inside of it it was this amazing redone event space it it, it looked like it had 
a spot for weddings. Um, there was a stage inside. There was a full bar that could be occupied by, it looked like a bar that came in. It wasn't a bar that you would go to and drink as a patron. But um, we walk in and there are probably a hundred tables set up with different glasses of bourbon. In the back on the stage, famous songwriters. Jonathan Singleton played that night. He's written so many number one songs and we got to listen to that songwriters round and it was just absolutely awesome. But then we got to do a bourbon tasting with the master distiller from Maker's Mark. And it made Kate and I bourbon hobbyists. And it gave me a lifelong appreciation for the art of bourbon drinking and the exploration of the space. And so I'm going to put you through the same tasting. And so that is where the terms redneck smack and Kentucky hug came from. He started off the tasting by saying, all right, you're going to taste the bourbon and I'm going to teach you to do it the right way. And if you do it the right way, you're going to get what we call at the distillery, a Kentucky hug. And I don't know how many of you have tasted a lot of bourbon out there or drank a lot of bourbon, but basically that Kentucky hug is when you get that smooth, rich finish of the bourbon. It doesn't kick you. It doesn't burn. It's just that very smooth, nice afterbirth of, of the bourbon. That's the Kentucky hug. Now, my personal favorite is that if you don't taste properly and you do get that kick, you'll get that, you know, simulated drink and you sip it in and you go, <clears throat> that, where you get that burn. That is what they call a redneck smack. And he did it like that. And so now I always call it a redneck smack. And I just, I just love it. And I never get redneck smacks because I know how to get Kentucky hugs. So I want to teach everyone else how to get a Kentucky hug. What do you guys say? Let's, Let's do, it. do it. All right. So Ray, you don't have uh, you don't have a whiskey, do you? I don't. You're just going to play along with me today. All right. So I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this a certain way. Actually, since I have Kate with a bourbon, I'll guide you through a taste. And that way I'm, I can continue talking as you're simulating the tasting protocol. Sounds good. Fair enough. Okay. So it's going to start much like a wine tasting with a sniff. You want to take in all of the notes of the bourbon. So go ahead and get a sniff. Sift it around there. Got the sniff. Yep. Got the sniff. So after the sniff, you're going to take a sip and... Before you do that, once you take the sip, you're going to swish like mouthwash. So you're going to sip, swish, swallow, blow. So after you swallow, you're going to swallow the bourbon and you're going to exhale. You're, that's where you're going to get the finish of the bourbon and really find the notes, the oak, the smoke, the vanilla, the citrus, whatever it might be. So... There's the exhale. There you go. And no did you Kentucky get a Kentucky? Snack. No, uh, no, no. Kentucky hug. Oh no, no rednecks. <laughs> Kentucky hug. <laughs> All right, she got a Kentucky hug. So that's how you're gonna do it. So remember, it's sniff, sip, swish. Oh, I forgot swallow. Definitely swallow. <laughs> sniff, <laughs> sip, <laughs> swish, swallow, blow. Yeah, don't blow before you swallow. That's gonna create some problems for you. Um, so there we go. Let, let me see if I can get a, a Kentucky hug. I always get a Kentucky hug, but right now I'll, I'll smack myself. I'll give myself a redneck smack. On purpose? 
No, I was saying because we're on camera. But no, oh. Kentucky Hug it was. And I'll tell no, you what. It never fails. That Oaklore bourbon is phenomenal. A lot of citrus on the finish of that. It's, I like it. Yeah, there's it has a different finish. And it is also extremely high alcohol percentage <laughs> compared to other bourbons. We had, Mitch had made us an old fashioned with this. And halfway through the drink, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm like drunk. And normally that doesn't, I don't get drunk that fast. Like what the heck? And he was like, I'm buzzed too. And we look at the bottle and it's what, 94 proof? Yeah, 94 proof. It's hot. So yeah, be careful. I I put, uh, you know, a hefty amount into our old fashions typically. And I put that same amount with the 94 proof and it gets you a little lit. So if you're looking for that, which we were not on a weeknight uh, after work, but it was an accident and it is what it is. And it was fun. It's really good. So if you're ever in Matthews, North Carolina, which is a suburb of Charlotte, try Oaklore Distillery. It is awesome. I would shout them out. It's a great place to go sit. They're very kind. We'll walk you through their processes of how they make things. They've got awesome merch. Um, have I plugged it enough? <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What What did everyone else bring? Because I've been looking forward to that for weeks. Ray, what I do brought along today a new competitor for Tito's. Ooh. Interesting. Do that tell. being Tito's holds the highest market share for gluten-free vodka, as I believe we all know. But recently, White Claw has entered the market with a lower price gluten-free vodka that also is using the White Claw flavors in their vodkas, which I have not tried. So I don't know how accurate these are to the seltzers, but you can pick up a bottle for $19.99 and the branding looks pretty much the same. So you're looking at black cherry, pineapple, and mango flavors, and those are going to be available in select markets for the time being to see how they play out. I have to say, I saw this and two things stood out to me that number one, the price point is, I mean, we're, we're only talking 10 bucks, but when you're talking about a $30 bottle, 20 is significantly lower. And that's, it'll be interesting to see what it tastes like and the quality of it, because that's far lower than Tito's. And then the second thing is, hey, you know this more than me. I don't think there's a gluten-free flavored vodka. Is there? Does Tito's have a flavored vodka? No. Nope. This is the first, to my knowledge, flavored vodka because Tito's is the vodka for gluten-free. And if it's not Tito's, I believe there's like higher end vodkas, possibly Belvedere, maybe. That's a potato-based vodka that I believe is gluten-free. But Tito's really owns the market when it comes to readily available, rather inexpensive vodka for people who are gluten-free. And I'll be curious. I really want to try this. Maybe we should get some and do a taste test. But I feel like it will be really good for people who are gluten-free like me that want to make a cocktail that is like 
pineapple flavored vodka or mango flavored vodka that I can't make cocktails because you can't you can't substitute a, like if it's just regular vodka you can substitute it for gin or you can even substitute it for tequila but you really can't substitute a flavored vodka when it calls for flavored vodka in a recipe so I think that they're onto something here yeah. to clarify Kate you said that this is the first flavored vodka and I do just want to say this is the first gluten-free flavored vodka before oh. we get torn apart in the comments. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Gluten-free. Flavored vodka for gluten-free, folks. Great clarification, Ray. Thank you for saving us from all the Karens out there. Um, <laughs> Karen, Karen's just going to become, I, I know it, it became the character of 2020 and on TikTok, but we're adopting it as the character of the, the tormentor of social drinkers is Karen. So... Uh, we we should come up with a less cliche name though, you know, like Tom. Tom. Yeah, Tom. Because Tom, Tom Collins. Yeah, Tom Collins. <laughs> Being a real Tom Collins right now. All right. So yeah. So I love it. All right. So Tom Collins, stay away. Gluten free flavored vodka. But but yeah, I I think they're onto something too. Um, you know, one of the things that we should bring. I don't know if we would do it on. Maybe we could do a taste test on the podcast. But we should put out some content of infusions. I think infusions are really cool. Um, it's something that we haven't really experimented with, but you're referencing these cocktails that do a flavored uh, spirit of some kind, and you don't necessarily need to buy that flavored spirit. You can actually make it fairly easily um, at home, and we should experiment with that. Yeah, that is one technique that we haven't experimented with. I know when we posted the New York sour with the layering component on TikTok that people loved that. And that's a fun technique. I'll link our TikTok below so you could watch that video if you haven't. But again, on the Art of Drinking podcast, I believe I talked about this podcast. I listened to a lot of other drinking podcasts. So you'll hear me reference them a lot. They talked about infusing and it sounds to me like it's pretty easy. Yeah, I think it is pretty easy. You just, I think you just let it sit with what you're trying to infuse in like it. Like steep it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I also wanted to follow up on what you were saying about the potato vodka. So you are correct. I know there are other potato vodkas, but the one I'm familiar with is Belvedere. Uh, but you're right. The price point is significantly higher. I don't remember the price tag on a bottle of Belvedere, but it's significantly higher than a bottle of Tito's. So I agree. This is going to be something that for the people that are gluten-free is meaningful. And then I think just for the crowd that loves White Claw, the, the no laws army, uh, I think they're going to really enjoy the White Claw vodka. So it'll be interesting to see, but, but Ray, yeah, that's an interesting find that you bring. Much appreciated. Yeah, absolutely. What else do we have on the agenda? Well, the summer is approaching. The weather is getting warmer. Woo! And I want to talk about a wine that I feel like it goes unnoticed. And it's not, it's been around forever, but it goes unnoticed because it's very, not, it's not very common, which is interesting. So orange wine. If have you guys heard or tasted orange wine? I was unaware that oranges could be made into wine. <laughs> <laughs> I have tasted your orange wine one time. Yeah, so it's kind of hard to find. It's not really popular, but it's been around for ages. Like 
ancient times they've been making orange wine so it's not actually made from oranges but it's made it's made from grapes but there is like wine made from other things so if you have mead that's wine made from honey but this is not wine made from oranges this is just called orange wine the color of it is orange and typically when you make wine you have white grapes and that makes the white wine and then red grapes make red wine and that's typically how it goes and orange wine is made with white grapes but the difference of fermenting orange wine is that you actually leave the skin on longer and that the chemical reaction of oxida of oxidizing that skin makes the orange color and it's totally different flavor profile than red wine so it actually is like a more citrusy flavor mitch would you agree with that definitely a more citrusy flavor and we need to bring we we always bring things to the next episode i think we need to address the misconception that all wine is made from red grapes because you and i talked about this and maybe even thought about this a little bit uh that <laughs> i thought that all wine was made from red grapes and it it mattered how long you left those skins in there which gave the color and you have informed us now that that is not the case so i think we should bring that misconception as a topic and talk more about how that works because i can't be the only one in that camp but yeah i would agree citrusy uh very interesting way that they make this and again Art, science, and industry. Very, very interesting science going on with the orange wine. Absolutely. Yeah, we can dive in a little bit on a different episode about how you make wine. But yeah, so it's interesting. You can't find it everywhere, but it's really good. So I highly recommend trying it if you can find it. I have yet to find it in a store, but I would love to because it's so good. And it gives that same idea as like a rosé. So if you're looking for a good summer wine, I would try orange wine. And if you see it on a menu, definitely try it because it's really good. I had it when we were in New York, and that's the only place I've been able to find it. That was the first time I tried it after learning about it from Helen on Helen's Wines years and years ago. How are you guys feeling about this nice weather, by the way? Oh, it's gorgeous. I mean, the orange wine, and you mentioned it too, summer being around the corner, it's it's going to be in the 80s this week in Cleveland. The first thing on my mind, I was at work today and I work outside and I'm running around. It's nice out. I'm sweating. And I'm thinking, you know what I'm doing when I get home? I'm sitting in my driveway in a lawn chair and I'm drinking a beer. <laughs> that's exactly what I did. And it was wonderful. That's awesome. That's just the aspiration. You know what I'm doing when I get home? Get my lawn chair out in the driveway, drinking a beer. That's so awesome. So college. Yep. Yelling at all the neighbors. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Have you guys heard about Carlsberg Zero Farming Footprint initiative that they're uh, I have not out? heard about this. So they're mm -hmm. only rolling it out in the UK, France, and Sweden, I want to say. Uh, let me check my notes. Uh, Finland excuse me, UK, France, and Finland is where they're rolling this out. And what they're doing is they're starting to use regenerative barley. 
in their brewing process. So when you think about the brewing process, you probably just take for granted that you open a box and you take out your beer and you drink your beer. You don't think about how much goes into that one can or bottle of beer being produced. You think about all of the farming for the ingredients that happens. You think about the transportation of the ingredients to the brewery. You think about all of the actual brewing and forklifts moving barrels around and then around the warehouse and then trucks taking beer to distributors and restaurants and all over the place. And you start to think, wow, there's a lot of carbon footprint that goes behind the creation of beer. And Carlsberg thinks that breweries should be striving to change that and make the world a better place. And I agree. And I love when industries that we're into start to try to make a positive change on the world. And so they're starting to do that with this regenerative barley. Now, we did a little bit of digging, all three of us, on regenerative alcohol, al wow, agriculture, not alcohol. And it, we're not experts on it, but essentially what it means is you're not disrupting the ecosystem where that soil is. So basically in regular farming, you're going to plant a crop, you're going to pick the crop yield, and then you're going to till that ground, wipe it out, replace the dirt, do it again. And it's very harmful to the habitat around. Animals lose their homes, their food, it's bad for the soil, it reduces crop yields over time, it's not exactly sustainable, right? So this regenerative process, they're growing barley, and then what they'll do is on different plots of the land, they'll plant different crops in different places. They'll use um, organic ingredients and fertilizers or no fertilizer if they're able. They'll reduce the amount of tilling. They'll plant, uh, I already said, they'll plant different plants. Um, but essentially, they're going to do a lot more diverse activity to ensure that that ecosystem is remaining healthy and growing crop yields that are more sustainable over time. And so that's kind of their initiative. And one thing I thought was really cool about this zero farming footprint is that their CEO came out and actually acknowledged that Carlsberg can't make a difference to the world's carbon footprint themselves. And I really like that because people in all walks of this stuff get on this high horse where they would act like Carlsberg's going to change the world. And he came out and literally said, this is one small step. It's an experiment to try and figure this out, but we need other breweries to come aboard and start helping us and making this a more industry-wide approach. And I just thought it was really cool. That is really cool. And you know what? I really like to hear that somebody's out there trying to better the world and push that to other breweries as well. Yeah, their their goals pretty aggressive too. They want to create a lower carbon beer by sourcing thirty percent of their raw materials from regenerative regenerative means. That is such a hard word to say. Regenerative means by twenty thirty. That's pretty soon, wow. and that's a good amount of their raw materials. Yeah, I love that. I am very interested in the fashion world. And this is a huge issue in the fashion industry as well as it is in the alcohol industry. And so whenever a brand is taking that step to help save our environment, I love to hear it. I was just looking because 
can you buy Carlsberg in the U.S.? I, I don't know if you can buy it in the U.S. I don't think you can. Eh, actually, I was going to say I don't think you can buy it in Ohio, but I want to say that you I've seen it before. I want to say, and I'm, I'm probably wrong. Um, so I was just wondering because I think that part of making this successful is that people support the brands that are doing good good on the environment. And so I was just going to say, if you haven't tried Carlsberg beer, definitely go ahead and check that out. But uh, I did find that Coca-Cola licenses from the U.S. with Carlsberg, Denmark. Oh, nice. So if that can somehow work its way to Coca-Cola, <laughs> that would be huge. Well, one of the... That would be huge. I'm, I'm looking right now to try and figure out if you can get Carlsberg in a store anywhere um i want to say you probably can but i'm not going to speak out of turn here do your own research see if you can find it but a really great brewery that does a lot of things for sustainability in the u.s that you can buy in ohio tennessee maybe all 50 states i'm not well versed enough for that but new belgium brewing is very sustainable they have a lot of effort towards making this world a better place to live they take really great care of their employees um that's that's a brewery that if you're looking to support someone with a good mission uh new belgium brewing is one to one to try and if you're local to cleveland i'd recommend saucy brewer because i can't speak for the production process of the beer i don't know it well enough but what i can say is the CEO, Brent Zimmerman, takes impeccable care of his employees and the community and does awesome things with the money that they bring in. So um, those are two that come to mind, one local, one nationwide, that that you could uh, partake in if you're looking to put your money in a place that's meaningful. Yeah, definitely. Very cool. Now, I have another brewery. And last week, we brought to the table... Sunny D Seltzer. Oh yeah. Pretty good. It was fine. For a for a seltzer. <laughs> it was pretty good. Yeah, yeah, it was fine. Well, I've got not a seltzer, but a hard juice that has been brought to the table by New Belgium. Oh, New it's Belgium. Be called, yep. And they make one of my favorite beers, Fat Tire, mm-hmm. based out of Colorado. Um, great beer if you haven't tried it. I mean hop on that wagon but beyond the point new belgium has come out with wild nectar hard juice hard juice now, so what's the difference between a hard juice and a seltzer now it doesn't explicitly say what the difference is but it is described as slightly sweet lightly carbonated with subtle viscosity and pulpiness <gasps> Okay. Yeet. Hold on. Hold on. Is the pulpiness why they're calling it a juice? Because Yeah, that's light, what I'm wondering. Lightly carbonated sounds like a seltzer to me. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. But I think that it's the pulpiness that is making this a juice. Let me tell you something. All right. Ray, you didn't do it. I don't know why I'm getting so angry. <laughs> but 
I don't Ray, want- listen, why did you invent this? <laughs> I, I don't want pulp in my orange juice. I especially don't want it in a canned beverage that I buy off the shelf at the store. That's disgusting. disgusting. It's so gross. Boo. Boo, boo, yeah. boo. Agreed. That's weird. It's, a, uh, it's 5% ABV, gluten-free, and it's going to be tested in four markets. That's Colorado, North Carolina, Illinois, and Pennsylvania. Oh. Which- I think Pennsylvania was an interesting choice just because they have weird alcohol laws, but yeah, you that's figured, just my opinion. You'd have figured they would have tried it in good old OH. They, they, they test a lot of alcohol here in Ohio because we can buy it pretty much anywhere and there's no weird laws other than not being able to get fish drunk. See, you can't test the juice on fish, but other than that, you're good to go. So is it just one juice? Is it kind of like... Does New Belgium have a seltzer? I haven't seen one, but I that doesn't mean it doesn't exist. That's a good question. Oh. Ray, do they? Like, is that their twist on the seltzer that they're trying to differentiate and release a juice instead of a seltzer? Hmm. That's a good question. They do have what is called a the New Belgium fruit smash. So it looks like these are seltzers. Um yeah, they are. the hard seltzer market with fruit smash. And Kate, I think we've had them. I'm looking at the cans right now, and they've got this fruity branding to them. That it looks like the main colors I see for the flavors are um, pink lemonade. Oh, yeah, we've tried yeah. these. Yeah, yeah. And if I remember right, they were pretty good. Yeah. Um, it's been a while since we've tried these though. Do you remember uh, in Nashville, we went on that kick of trying every new seltzer. We no, tried... it was in, Be- it was in Beechwood. Oh, was it in Beechwood? Okay. We must've yeah. tried it then because yeah, I remember every week we'd go buy a different seltzer and give it a shot. And these were good. I remember we had these in the fridge for a little bit and ended up enjoying them. Yeah, they were good. And that says a lot because we don't really like seltzers. I actually remember keeping these. So now that I'm seeing the cans, I remember these were seltzers that when you wanted a drink and we were kind of out of everything you would actually drink these so there you yeah, go that says a lot because i've got some bud light seltzers in the fridge that i won't ever touch <laughs> yeah and ranch waters if, if anybody wants any seltzers it's like a facebook marketplace posting right now just on a podcast just come just shoot us a message we'll give you the address i'll come load up your cooler and you can take all of our seltzers the offer is on the table <laughs> just saying <laughs> I do want to also say they've got that new Belgium fruit smash. Yeah. That sits at 4.7 ABB. Yes. And this juice is higher. It is, but they've got the fruit smash super hard seltzer. Ah, the that I just ah. found. Interesting. Eight percenters. Dude. They're trying to get you smacked. Man. Okay. We're we're getting some super fruit smash, whatever it's called for folly when we go on vacation. I misspoke. I said smacked, and I should have said smashed since they're called fruit smash. (laughs) No pun intended. (laughs) (laughs) No, it was absolutely intended. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Dude, you could get loose on 8%. Man. No kidding. And especially if they taste good. I'm going to have to find out if they taste good. I think you'll like them. They they're pretty good. I, that's a good seltzer. I forgot about it. There's so many. It's so hard to. Yeah, it's it's hard to keep up. Yeah, I'll say this. I've had a lot of seltzers and a lot of like 
like even twisted tea does it um they've got their regular 12 ounce can or whatever it is um and then at the gas station you can normally find your tall boy 24 ounce and it's a higher alcohol percentage eight percent or whatever twisted teas are the only ones i have found that are relatively similar in taste you get like any of the other ones really like you name it they are potent dude <laughs> like you're drinking it and you're like this is not good Ooh. dude. <laughs> one of my favorite things from college this is a little bit of a tangent but it, it's related to twisted tea was you know jake right i do know jake so jake lived in an apartment building that I'm going to say this and everyone out there is going to get a bit squeamish. I think each apartment unit had a hot tub. I'll, I'll let the, the hot tub apartments. Yeah. I'll let the disgustingness of that statement sink in for a second. Um, but anyway, each apartment unit had a hot tub and Jake lived there after my best friend and I had graduated and we came back for homecoming and we, we sat in that hot tub for hours on end drinking bags of twisted tea. And when you do that in hot water and your blood is raising in temperature, you get quite a bit more inebriated than if you're not sitting in 102 degree hot tub water. And man did that day get rowdy when i stood up out of the hot tub water i fell down and broke my thumb because i had no balance tyler walked into the apartment and fell over the couch and everyone was just stumbling after this and we called it tea time it became tea time so every time we would go back and see jake in the hot tub apartments we would have tea time and tea time just got really rowdy so if you're looking for a way to step up your saturday night Take a, take a twee or any drink, really, into the hot tub and experience the extra bit of lubrication that you get from sitting in 100-degree hot tub water while you're consuming alcohol. Seems awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty fun. I'm not going to lie. It's pretty fun. I will say since then, tea time has become quite a coined phrase. Anytime you crack open a tea, it's typically called tea time. Oh, yeah. Um, especially if you're golfing. So we definitely didn't make up Makes tea sense. time. However, we were probably at the beginning of tea time popularity. Uh, but yeah, I mean, golf tea time. Jeez, I'm going to be saying this and then someone's going to be like, tea time was that thing when Twisted Tea came out in 2006, bro. Some old guy. <laughs> some old guy. Some Tom. <laughs> some Tom. Yeah, some Tom. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, and to be clear, I don't know when Twisted Tea came out. I'm just being, I'm just being a, a goof. <laughs> That's great. Well. Well, that Match Twisted Tea was released in 2001. Oh, okay. So we even, even earlier than that. So Tea Time definitely is not even close to new. Someone no no that. way it's too easy yeah, yeah yeah no way so well there you go um i don't know kate i think that's it anybody else got anything no that's all today. i got well that was fun well Beer's thanks everyone for, thanks everyone for tuning in kate you want to take us out
You always take us out, I feel like, but you, you're just the best at it. Okay, sure, I'll do it. <laughs> no, 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 I'll do it. I'll do it. All okay, right, don't get it ready. wrong. Yeah. Ready, Let's everyone? Go, Mitch. Ready, Let's everyone? Go, Mitch. Pump me up, pump me up. All right. <laughs> if you're listening to this, you can find us on all of the major podcast listening platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, <laughs> all the other ones (laughs) whichever ones if you're watching this make sure you subscribe down below hit the little bell thing so that every time we post a new video you get notified subscribe to our youtube channel and if you're feeling extra generous and you just really love getting drunk subscribe to shots the link's in the show notes. It's our newsletter that comes out weekly every Thursday. Thursday will deliver different content than the podcast where you can learn all about the art, science, and industry of alcohol. That's my best attempt at this. I'm sure I missed some things. Kate, we got anything before we get out of here? Yep. You can follow us on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook at We Are Social Drinkers. And I think besides that, you got it. Nice. Cheers. I always forget socials. So cheers, everybody. I'm empty, but cheers anyway. Cheers. I am close to empty. So peace. Time to grab another. All right. (laughs) Peace, everybody. Peace out.